0: Welcome to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to The Flatline. I'm Rick Hughes, the host. And once again, I'd like to invite you to stay with me for the next 30 minutes so that we can have some motivation, a whole lot of inspiration, a little bit of education, And never any manipulation. That's right. You hear it every Sunday. I say those same words every Sunday because I want you to know that we do not intend to coerce you into doing anything. We are not here raising money. We're not here selling anything. We don't have anything for you to join. We're not asking you to give up, fess up, show up. All we're asking you to do is listen. Listen to the teaching of the Word of God. My job is simple. Verify and identify God's plan for your life. If I can do that adequately, then your job is simple as well. Orient and adjust the plan. That's up to you. That's really up to you. It's your choice. But I know what my job is. And every Sunday I come here to this radio show presenting this information, praying, asking God to use it in your life. I really do appreciate the many uh, emails, the letters, the different correspondence that I hear from people, even out west, we have shows in Cheyenne, we have shows in Amarillo, we have shows in in uh, Tucson, we have shows in California, we have shows in Alabama, we have shows in New York. I appreciate all of the correspondence. Anytime you'd like to contact me, you can always go to the website and go to rickhughesministries.org. That's rickhughesministries.org. Dot org on the World Wide Web and from the website. You can order study material, you can listen to the various radio shows that are posted there, or you can send us an email and contact us. If you don't have that and you'd like to just simply write us a letter or ask a question or, or send a thought or of appreciation, don't, don't send money, I'm not asking you for that. But if you'd like to contact us, simply write to Rick Hughes Rick Hughes Ministries. And our address is pretty simple. It's P.O. Box 100. P.O. Box 100. And I live in the major metropolitan area of Cropwell, Alabama. Cropwell. Just like it sounds. C-R-O-P-W-U-E-L-L. Cropwell, Alabama. Our zip code here is 35054. 35054. And we'll get your letter. And we'll respond. But thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for listening. Many of you tune in every Sunday and listen faithfully. And I appreciate your trust and the honor that you bestow upon me by listening to this radio show. We've been going over the 10 unique problem-solving devices. We're into almost 350 hours of this radio show. The uh, 350 shows, not ours, but 350 shows, that's 350 different Sundays, and you can consider how many years that is. Um, that's a lot, and every now and then I like to go over these 10 unique problem-solving devices that make up the flood line in your soul, because the whole premise of this show has always been that adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. I have told you that over and over again. I've told you that adversity is what circumstances do to you and stress is what you do to yourself. And I remind you that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control the results of that. You can't control the weather. You can't control politics, but you can control how you react or respond to these things. And that's really the key. Because if you learn to respond to the adverse situations that come into your life, then you can use the tremendous problem-solving devices. But if you, in fact, react to those circumstances, then you will quit thinking, you will get emotional, and you will do something weird. You'll panic, you'll scream, you'll cry. You'll let this outside adversity create traumatic stress in your life. And you will lose your joy. You will lose your peace. You will lose the ability to have fellowship with God because you will get into mental attitude sins, sins like worry and fear. These are, make no mistake about it, they are sins. That's why the Bible says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. And Paul said, I have learned not to worry, but to be content. It doesn't make any difference what my circumstances are, read it in Philippians for yourself, and you will see we never have to worry. If God is in control, and we believe that, then there is no reason to be afraid. There is no reason to worry. Is it a sin to be concerned about your children? No, not at all. But worrying? Well, now that's a different story. And so worrying can drive you into extreme stress in your life can cause you to lose sleep, cause you to lose an appetite. Can't tell you how many people I've met that lost weight because they worried about something that they were encountering in their life, and they quit eating. Worry is a sin. And so as you learn these 10 unique problem-solving devices, as you deploy these 10 unique problem-solving devices into your life, then you can have the most phenomenal life the world has ever seen. The only way to put it is the Christian life. It is the life that our Lord lived. It is the life that he demonstrated to us while he was still on this planet. He lived the very life we can live. As a man, he came. He walked among us. Now, as a man, he never sinned. So, obviously, he did not have to rebound His sin. He did not ever have to confess sin like you and I may have to do because he did not have a genetically formed old sin nature, the old sin nature we get from Adam. Remember what the Bible says, For by one man sin came into the world, and death by sin. And thus death is passed on to all, for all have sinned. the wages of sin is death. Well, our Lord was not related to Adam, so he didn't have that, and he never created or committed any personal sins. So he didn't have to rebound. All right? And he did have to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, he did. He did have to use the faith rest drill. Yes, he did. And the one that we will study today, which is problem-solving device number 10, he did not have to use that because he was Christ. We are going to study what it means to be occupied with Christ. It is the 10th unique problem-solving device, being occupied with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Obviously, he was Christ, so... He was occupied with himself. He knew what his destiny was way before anyone else knew. He shocked the disciples when he explained the reason that he came was to die. And he shocked the religious crowd around Palestine when he said that he was the Son of God, that he had been sent as their Messiah, and they did not believe it. They vehemently opposed it. They were more concerned about keeping the religious institutions of the law of Moses than even about healing the sick, which Jesus our Lord did sometimes, often, on the Sabbath. That drove them crazy. They could not stand him breaking the laws of Moses. And they, uh, and they thought that it was something to do with uh, you're going to heaven because you're a Jew and because you obey the laws of Moses. And that's never true. You don't go to heaven because you're a Jew, and you don't go to heaven because you obey the law of Moses. There's one thing on this radio show you need to remember that. You go to heaven because you have faith alone in Christ alone. Now, we want to go on and we want to study today occupation with Christ. The Bible makes it clear in, well, we could start with, for example, uh, we could start with Romans and uh we could start let's go right here let's start in Romans 14 and let's talk about where the Bible says that we should put on Christ putting on Christ what does it mean putting on Christ putting on Christ is to be occupied with the Lord Jesus Christ that we live as he lived that we think as he thought all right, put on, actually it's Romans thirteen fourteen is the verse I'm trying to say. My mind was sitting here spinning, thinking, what did I just say? Romans thirteen fourteen. put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, nor to fulfill its lust. What exactly does it mean to put on Christ? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. We want to define that for you because, first of all, very few people understand this and and very few people ever do this i meet a lot of religious people they talk religious they act religious you know they use the word brother they use the word sister they go around with a holy glow a rosy smile they look up to heaven and and i want to tell you sometimes it's just all phony you think to yourself how can these people be like this all the time they can't be real they can't be like this 24 7 and you get around them and it's almost as if, uh, well, it's just, you know, it's not real. You know, good night alive, fellow. What are you, who are you trying to impress? I remember a friend of mine years and years and years ago. He's now gone to be with the Lord, but he was a wonderful, dear friend and he was the most down to earth friend that you could ever want. But then someone told him he needed to go to Bible college. And they, need, they told him he needed to be a preacher because he liked to talk about Jesus. So off he went to the Bible college, and, and I bumped into him a few years later, and, and, and I said, hey, how you doing? And you would not believe it. Here's what he said, sort of like this. Praise God, brother. It's wonderful to see you today. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what? Where did the normal person that used to live in there, where did that person go? Completely new way of talking, a holy language, eyes looking up at heaven. You can almost spot them, and you wonder, what are these people thinking? You know, this is not what it means to be occupied with Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean to wear a bracelet saying, what would Jesus do? You may want to know what Jesus would do, and and if you learn these ten problem-solving devices, You will understand what Jesus in fact did. Very few people, very few people understand this. You know something else? Very few people are loved the way they want to be loved. They're not treated the way they want to be treated. And sometimes they act like this to try to get attention. But this sort of unrealistic expectation that people have, it comes from, it doesn't come from the word of God. It comes from something in their mind, something they've conjured up. Because if you don't have the Word of God, if you don't have the problem-solving devices taught in the Bible, it's inevitable that it's going to result in terrible frustration in your life, great instability in your life, and great attempts to do something, to be something that you can't be, that you're not. Occupied with Christ doesn't mean that you talk a different way. It doesn't mean that you dress a different way. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you act holy and sanctimonious in front of everybody. It doesn't mean that you put on your Mr. Goody-two-shoes and walk around the street acting better than everybody else. And that's what the religious crowd does. That's what our Lord encountered. The self-righteous Pharisees that thought they were better than everyone else. And they just knew God hated sinners. And they knew God liked them, but when Jesus began to dine with Pharisees, with the publicans and the tax collectors, this insulted the self-righteous crowd. They didn't appreciate that at all, especially when he had a fast during one of when excuse me when he had a feast during one of their fast. That really upset them. If you want to know what it means to be occupied with Christ. It means that we set our priorities straight in the Christian life. Occupation with Christ gives you the ability to set those priorities straight. Not looking to people to encourage us, but looking to the Lord. We get our encouragement from Jesus Christ. It is a personal love for Jesus Christ that surpasses understanding. The world will never understand it. Once we are occupied with Christ, we set the emphasis on God and not on people because fellowship with God is much more important than fellowship with people. God makes a direct demand on your volition to be occupied with Christ. 1 Peter 3.15, you can read it for yourself. It's very clear. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the confidence that you have, and give it with meekness and with fear. Setting Jesus Christ apart in your life, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, being occupied with Jesus Christ, is a personal love that you have for your Savior through the maximum Word of God that circulates in your stream of consciousness. What did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Did he say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, learn of me? Do you hear those words? Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will never understand the yoke until you learn what it means to be occupied with Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly says that this is the love of God, that we keep his mandates, and his mandates are not grievous. They're not hard. It's not as if God is going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. All God simply asks is that you love him and that you love his son. That's all. Loving Jesus Christ is being occupied with Christ. He becomes your role model. You know, First Peter one eight says, even though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you greatly rejoice with inexpressible happiness and full of glory. Hebrews 12.2 says we concentrate on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We put our eyes on Christ. We look at him. Now, listen. Being occupied with Christ means that we think like he thought. If you're going to think like he thought, you must understand what Philippians says. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.5 The Bible goes on to say he humbled himself. Humility is a trait of the Lord Jesus Christ. And humility is a trait of any mature believer. Any believer who is occupied with Christ is not going to be living under the arrogant skills. The arrogant skills include self-justification, Self-deception, self-absorption. Jesus Christ did not live like this. And as a Christian, you cannot do it either. If you're going to be occupied with Christ, you must understand that humility is simply teachability. And humility requires this from you. This is what God requires from you, that you obey me, and my mandates are not grievous. If you want to obey God, let's start with this verse grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grow that's a mandate that's not a request that's a mandate from god how much have you grown spiritually if we put it into terms like that a physical baby must grow to maturity a spiritual baby must grow to maturity the physical baby eats food the spiritual baby eats the word of god the writer of hebrews says in hebrews 5:11 through 16 you're still babies. I can't give you meat. You don't want it. You're dull of hearing. You won't pay attention. You don't want to learn it. Read it for yourself. It's straightforward from the Word of God, Hebrews 5:11 through 16. The writer said, look, there's a lot of things I'd like to teach you, but I can't because you still need milk. That means you're still a baby on the bottle. You can't digest a steak. Learning the Word of God. Becoming a mature believer means that you can digest a steak, that you can listen to somebody teach the Word of God for more than five minutes and not fall asleep and not daydream and not let your mind wander. Becoming a mature believer means that you can concentrate and focus on the plan of God for your life, that you have the mind of Christ. Paul wrote it this way in Romans 12.3, Stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance. But think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. Learning to think divine viewpoint is being occupied with Christ. He thought divine viewpoint. He operated under God's plan. He used the faith rest drill. Matthew 4, when our Lord was taken into the wilderness by means of the Holy Spirit to be tested, and Satan came against him three times, every time. Jesus Christ, the anointed son of God, quoted scripture, scripture, scripture. That was using the faith rest drill, standing behind the promises of God. You cannot be occupied with Christ if you don't use the faith rest drill. You cannot be occupied with Christ if you don't learn to think like he thought. You know, you can't see him. You can't touch him, but you know he's real. And you know one day you're going to meet him face to face. But being occupied with Christ is a personal love for him through the maximum doctrine that circulates in your stream of consciousness. You have inside of your brain a stream of consciousness. And that thing is like a river. It's always flowing. Have you ever seen what flows down the river after a storm, logs and trash and debris? Well, that's what sin does. It clutters up our thinking. The debris flows. But when we're occupied with Christ, the river's clear, and the river flows steadily and gently through. When we have doctrine in our memory center, when we have it in our brain, when we learn these ten problem-solving devices, then we can recall it when we need it. We don't operate under emotions. Being occupied with Christ is not living emotionally charged christian life jesus christ our savior did not operate on emotions the bible doesn't say let these emotions be in you that were also in christ jesus one of the ways that you can tell people don't know what they're talking about is if they get all emotional and that's all they want to talk about in terms of the spiritual life is emotion getting high for jesus that's not being occupied with christ You may get high, you may sing a song, you may worship him, but that's not how you grow. That's worship, that's one thing, yes. But growing is you being still and listening as somebody opens the bread of life and teaches the Bible to you so that you can learn to think like he thought and be occupied with the mind of Christ, that you can put on Christ, that you can think like he thought. You develop vocabulary storage inside of your mind. That means that you have memory and expression. You can remember scripture. You can express what you remember by what you say. It means that you have a conscience where your norms and standards are. And these norms and standards protect you. They guide you. They are a ready alert system. So that when you begin to violate a principle of the protocol plan of God, that red alert system, the alarms go off and your conscience screams at you and says these words, do not do it, do not do it, do not do it. Now you have to make a decision. Do I want to be occupied with Christ or do I want to put all of that aside and let the lust of my flesh control me? You have a momentum department. This is the mirror in your soul. This reflects where you are, where you're going. All of those ten unique problem solving devices moving together in your life. And here all of it comes together with wisdom. Occupied with Christ means you have wisdom. Sophia is the Greek word wisdom. This means that you have wealth with capacity. You have values. You have integrity. You have loyalty. Wisdom is one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us. Wisdom and understanding come from the Word of God. And if there was one thing that Jesus Christ our Lord had, it was wisdom. If you're going to be occupied with Christ, you're going to have to have that same wisdom. For you to have the capacity to love someone who's invisible requires a tremendous amount of information in your soul or else it's just purely emotional. Unless you know him, unless you understand him, it's purely emotional. What if he doesn't look like what you thought he looked like? What if he doesn't pay the same attention to you that the preacher pays to you? You know you love it when the preacher calls your name, when the preacher comes to see you and visits you, when the preacher pats you on the back and tells you what a great Christian you are and thank you for your gift. But what if Jesus doesn't do that? What if he doesn't pat you on the back? And what if he doesn't call your name out in front of everyone else? What if he knows that that's what you're living for, that you live for the attention of others? You have to learn what he's like. You must learn that or you'll never love him. If you're going to love the invisible Lord Jesus Christ, you will make a role model out of him. Not a role model out of some athlete not a role model out of some Sunday school teacher, but a role model of Jesus Christ. You will be spiritually self-sustaining. You will have zero garbage in your subconscious. You won't be living under guilt. You won't be living under doubt. You won't be repressing the sins that you did or projecting them on someone else. Being occupied with Christ is you thinking the mind of Christ. You can't love him if you can't think like he thinks. How do you get the mind of Christ? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16 that it is the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. It is the canon of Scripture. It is the Bible. And we know how he thinks because it's all recorded for us. And we seek our encouragement from the Lord, not from people. Encouragement comes from the Lord and from the Word of God, not from people. You see, at spiritual maturity, when you become the man or the woman that God wants you to be, you will cease to depend on people, and you will depend on God, and you will make a role model out of Jesus Christ. You will want to reproduce Christ in your life. You will want to reflect Christ in all that you say and all that you do. When you obtain occupation with Christ, you will obtain that plus H, that grace, happiness, so that you are prepared to meet any exigency head-on, any circumstances. You are preoccupied with God and His will. Listen to Ephesians 3.19. And come to know the love for Christ which goes beyond gnosis, beyond knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. You have to come to understand that you're nothing before you can learn something. You really don't know how helpless you are until you get into a jam and realize where your problem-solving device has come from. Occupation with Jesus Christ is a wonderful problem-solving device. Because you know he loves you. You know you love him. And you know he would never hang you out to dry. He will never throw you under the bus. And you are living your life in his footsteps. I hope this is making sense. I hope you will apply it into your life. And please join me next Sunday here on The Flatline. Till then, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for being with me today. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100. Cropwell, Alabama, 35054 or online at www.rickhughesministries.org